We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Alexander, got it! Very nice early post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one! Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim! What is up, everybody? You are listening to the first uncontested post-game podcast of the season. Welcome back. Thunder Basketball is here. It's a good day. It's a good day uh, to be an NBA fan, to be a Thunder fan, embarking upon a new era. Before we get started, I want to tell you guys we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find us everywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore uncontested. We're also on Facebook now too, so when you're telling your grandma that you uh, like her picture of her dog, you can go ahead and like us too and make sure you stay up to date with all the latest podcasts and Thunder news. Thanks so much for listening. You've got Justin here with you tonight uh, on Twitter at OKC Tracker. I spent the night live tweeting with you through this adventure that was the first Thunder game of the 2019-2020 rebuild, replenish, reposition season. In that game, Oklahoma City faces the Utah Jazz, and unfortunately, uh, they are unsuccessful as they fall 100-95 to out in Salt Lake City. But let's be honest, this game did not go at all how I expected, and I'm assuming probably how you expected either. The first quarter, the Thunder looked absolutely shell-shocked, and I had a brief moment where I thought to myself of, oh dear, this season might not be very fun at all. The Jazz outscored the Thunder 23-12, to which, if you're keeping score at home, is the least points the Thunder have scored in a first quarter in a long time. Uh, I looked up last year's stats. The lowest they scored for a first quarter was 19 points, uh, which is significantly better. And it looked pretty bleak. The Thunder looked totally discombobulated. But when you really kind of 
step back and think about it, it makes sense. This team is totally new. Uh, everything's changed over. There's not a ton of time that they've spent on the floor together. You think about those preseason games. Uh, there wasn't a there wasn't a ton of minutes where this lineup that started the game actually played together. The much anticipated starting lineup tonight was CP3, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Terrence Ferguson, Danilo Gallinari, and Steven Adams. And that that group, like I mentioned, really didn't play much together in the preseason. And I think that had a lot to do with the early struggles. I think it was kind of finding some footing, figuring out how to play together. But regardless, uh, it was ugly. The good news is it didn't stay ugly for long. The second quarter started, and instantly the Thunder seemed to to, to get back in it. That was led in no small part uh, thanks to Chris Paul. Uh, he hit a couple of threes, really cut the lead down pretty instantly in the second quarter. And by the time you hit the midway point, you had a back-and-forth game that really stayed that way all the way up to the end of the game. This game was tight for almost the entire contest other than that first quarter that I mentioned. It was really the middle two quarters where the Thunder shined. Uh, the first quarter was rough. The second quarter, OKC outscored the Jazz 34-26. to And then again in the third, the Thunder outscored Utah 28-19. to uh, that pretty significant scoring margins, uh, eight points in the second quarter and nine points in the third. That's going to build you a little bit of cushion. And the Thunder actually had some some of that cushion going into the fourth quarter. They had an eight-point lead at one point, I believe. And it looked like, okay, wow, this Oklahoma City team is competing. Uh, they had some really good offensive outputs from a couple of guys that I'll touch on in a minute. On the flip side, Utah was struggling. Donovan Mitchell had a mostly quiet night up to that point. Uh, some of their other guys not contributing as well as they had thought. Uh, Mike Conley didn't have a great night. But then the fourth quarter happened, and the fourth quarter was much more like the first quarter, unfortunately, for the Thunder. Uh, they were outscored in the fourth, 32-21, to 21, uh, which combined with the 23-12 to 12 in the first quarter, uh, that's how you lose a game. You cannot close a game in the fourth quarter and get outscored by 11 points. And what happened in that fourth quarter is they let Donovan Mitchell uh, enter the ball game, basically. Uh, Mitchell caught fire. He had some some pretty na- nasty exclamation marks. Uh, he looked like the Donovan Mitchell that we all know. Uh, I won't say love, but he he's a darn good player, and I think he showed that uh, against the Thunder. He ended with 32 points tonight, and a, a lot of that came kind of later in the game. He had a little bit of a slow start as well. And Oklahoma City just can't do that. Uh, the It was on the defensive end where they struggled to contain Mitchell uh, down the stretch. Uh, they weren't getting rebounds. I think that that was pretty frustrating for me to watch, seeing the Jazz guys miss shots but then go right up and get their own rebound. There was a sequence where Mitchell missed kind of a, a little floater and, and Baisley was standing literally right next to the rebound and just didn't reach out and grab it. Mitchell got the ball, was able to put it back for a score. And those are the kind of mistakes that you're going to have with a young guy like Baisley. But overall, I think Oklahoma City was a little bit too sloppy to get the win tonight. But there was a lot of positives. Uh, There was a lot of positives. And I promise I'm going to get to those. But I'm going to hit you with some stats uh, that I think kind of tell the story of what what led Oklahoma City to lose this game. The first is they only shot 38.6% from the floor. Uh, That's not ideal. 
Uh, 37% from three, which is better than what the Jazz shot, but still not great. Oklahoma City's got to be able to put the ball in the basket, plain and simple. Uh, not enough guys did that tonight, and if they want to win more games, they're going to have to do that more consistently. We know it was an issue last year. You lose PG, who was one of the team's best shooters. They're going to have to find that scoring from somewhere else. They also had 10 missed free throws. Uh, hello, again, uh, a problem that plagued the Thunder last year. Pretty frequently, Thunder shot 21 of 31 from the stripe tonight. That's just not good enough. Uh, there were multiple times where guys uh, like Steven Adams just went blank from the free throw line. There was even two occasions where guys were trying to uh, miss free throws on purpose, and they couldn't even do that properly. Uh, either clanging off the rim or taking a weird bounce. It, it just didn't go in their favor. The Thunder have to be better from the free throw line if they want to take advantage of the scoring opportunities, especially if they're not going to score at a super high clip from the floor. They have to take advantage of the times when they get to go to the stripe. 16 turnovers, also not ideal. Uh, if you can't take care of the ball, you're not going to be able to compete in a lot of a lot of games down the stretch. Uh, you had two turnovers from Steven Adams. You had two from Dennis Schroeder and three from Hamadou Diallo, uh, one from pretty much everybody else. So it wasn't like any one guy was being extra sloppy. It was pretty well distributed, but overall it's a trend that the Thunder need to take care of as they move forward. And the last one is they only have seven fast break points. Uh, Oklahoma City, it's, it's a different look. I don't think they're looking to push the pace as much as we saw last year. Granted, it's only one game. That could change. But I think just taking a look at the roster construction with CP3, they're not going to be pushing it as fast as they were with Russell Westbrook. Things are going to be a little more slowed down, a little more controlled. We've talked about how SGA is a little bit more of a, a controlled player than, than a Russell Westbrook was. And I think you're going to see that reflected in the fast break points. Regardless, the Thunder need to get out and transition more and get those easy buckets. Again, if you want to overcome maybe lack of sharpshooting on your roster, that's another good way to do it. So let's talk about the positives. I promised they were coming, and honestly, there were a lot. I think we didn't know what to expect from this team. There was a lot of questions. We didn't know uh, coming out uh, compared to the Utah Jazz, who I think were kind of like the dark horse darlings of the Western Conference. Uh, a lot of people were high on the moves they made this offseason. How is Oklahoma City going to look in the first contest? Are they going to get the doors blown off? And in the first quarter, it certainly looked like that's where we were heading. However, the team showed grit. They showed a lot of positives, um, specifically with three of the big newbies on this roster. SGA, CP3, Danilo Gallinari all had pretty fantastic games tonight. In fact, according to the Thunder official Twitter account, it's the first time in more than 30 years that three players have scored 21 plus in their debut with a team in the same game. That was a mouthful, but what that means, SGA scored 26, CP3 scored 22, Gallinari scored 21. That's a heck of a de debut for those three guys. Uh, between them, you're looking at 70 points out of 100. Uh, that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, you think about what the Thunder lost uh, coming out of last season and what they brought back, CP3, SGA, and Gallinari. I mean, they came out and really kind of dominated the offensive output for this team tonight. All three of those scoring outputs rank in the top five for most individual points scored in the Thunder debut. The others on that list... PG at number one with 28 points. Then you have SGA, CP3. Uh, Mello was at 22 in his debut. 
And then in fifth place, tied at 21, you have Gallinari tied with back when Dennis Schroeder debuted for OKC. So really, really standout performances for those guys. Before I break them down in a little more depth for each of them, uh, I want to talk about one of our sponsors for the podcast tonight, Axios Sports. Following a team you love, like the Thunder, can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app, visiting every website, listening to every podcast, it's impossible. And that's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and the NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. I check out the email every morning. I love getting uh, the quick bursts of kind of what the headlines are for each day in the sports world. And then it, it includes links so you can read more in depth if you want to know more about a specific topic. Not only will you be caught up, but you'll be the guy out of your friends that's sharing the cool link with your buddies, the story that nobody else has read. Uh, Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. Best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. Free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. So let's dive into some of those performances like I promised. Um, the first one, CP3. That dude still got it. Uh, I know there's a lot of discussion about CP3 being washed. And, you know, rightfully so. He's getting up there in age. He has a hefty contract. He has an injury history, which I'm not confident will get any better now with his uh, plant-based diet. But the dude looks good so far. Uh, tonight he showed that he still has uh, tricks up his sleeve. He was in his bag, 22 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 7 of 15 from the floor, including 4 of 7 from 3. And it felt like the threes that he put in uh, were timely. Uh, They were big threes that came at the right moment. They either created momentum for the Thunder or they stopped momentum for the Jazz. He had some dirty dribble moves. Uh, He had some really nice high IQ basketball plays throughout the game. I think he showed that He's still got more in the tank, and I think what's encouraging about this for a Thunder fan is, one, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the best players play basketball, especially when they're wearing an Oklahoma City Thunder uniform. The the most important piece here, though, is trade value, man. If CP3 can continue to show that he's still got it, that he's got more in the tank, he's going to entice somebody to take a chance on him. Maybe that's the Miami Heat. Maybe it's somebody else. But somebody's going to see CP3 doing this stuff, and they're going to take a take a chance on them. They're going to be willing to part with an asset or multiple assets to give to the Thunder in order to add CP3 to their team to push towards a title. I think I you know you see it on Twitter already. I saw a couple uh, basketball Twitter accounts tweeting like, "Man, CP3 is really going to be doing this on a rebuilding team and showing them you know crossing up and hitting the the step back three. Yeah, he's going to be doing it on a rebuilding team for now. Uh, but I think long-term, if he can continue to play like that, uh, I think it it increases the likelihood that he ends up somewhere else quicker dramatically. Uh, it's a big if. I think we've seen 
throughout the past few seasons that sustainability is is CP3's biggest challenge. So if he looks like he is going to have it in the tank throughout the rest of the season, you're going to see a team take the chance on him. On the same note, you have Gallinari. Danilo had 21.7 boards, two assists, seven of 13 from the floor, two of five from three. Gallinari had a, a pretty solid night. It wasn't like the greatest night in the world, but a solid debut for the Thunder. I think we saw throughout the preseason kind of the uh, intensity at which he can score the ball. He can really be that offensive spark for the team. And at times I thought he was tonight. Uh, There was a lot of stretches where the Thunder couldn't put the ball in the hole. Gallinari had a lot of solid mid-range jumpers, um, something that we haven't seen a ton of from the Thunder in recent years. Uh, He he can stroke it. Uh, He's got a nice shot. He's a really solid scoring big guy. And he had seven boards, which wasn't too shabby either. Um, I thought that he did a a decent job on the glass. He's not like a ball hawk or anything like that where he's going to be getting you double-doubles every night, but he did a a good enough job on the boards. And just like CP3, if he can continue to perform for the Thunder at a high level, uh, that trade value is just going to keep going up. So he's a fun one to watch too, uh, knowing that he's not a long-term deal. So enjoy him while he's here. And get excited when he does well because it's going to mean higher trade value for the Thunder. And the last, we can't not talk about SGA. Um, Expectations, man, through the roof for SGA. I mean, I was to the point where I I was nervous that he's going to get to a place where he can't possibly live up to expectations. And maybe that's still true. I feel like... um, SGA is a little bit of the the Thunder fans rebound girl. You know, we had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, uh, Serge Ibaka, James Harden, all those guys playing in Oklahoma City. And then one by one, they start to leave. And it kind of culminated after, after Kevin Durant left. I felt like Thunder fans poured all the admiration and affection that they had for that entire team into Russell Westbrook. It was solely placed on his shoulders and it was, you know, an exponentially greater amount of love that that Thunder fans had for Russ uh, because of the other guys leaving. When PG came, he got some of that, but he was never on the same level as Russ. So now that Russ is gone, all of that admiration uh, and and love that the Thunder fan base had has to be placed somewhere else. And I think the instant candidate for that was SGA. And I think that's what we saw this summer of, you know, SGA showed some special moments last year uh, for the Clippers. And Thunder fans pretty quickly caught on to that. They they realized what a special player we were getting. But I felt like it was like all the affection that we had for, you know, 10 years of Russell Westbrook got dumped onto SGA's shoulders pretty quickly. And I started to feel like he's just not going to be able to live up to those expectations. But... Through one game, uh, so far so good. He was pretty unbelievable tonight. I, I go back to what I said. I think the the Dallas post game pod. He's just so smooth. Like watching him is incredible. It it almost feels like slow motion at times. Which when you compare it to watching Russell Westbrook, where it's just pure chaos. It's such a contrast of styles. Not saying one's better or worse than the other but just totally different. And it's fascinating to watch him work, especially for a guy who's so young. He has a really high basketball IQ. And some of the plays he made, I thought were were really savvy for somebody who's only just now starting his second year in the league. There was a play uh, kind of early on 
where he came off a pick and drew the switch uh, with Gobert. And Gobert was out on the three-point line, or coming out to the three-point line. And SGA had curled around and was inside the arc and easily could have, you know, tried to drive inside. It was a little bit crowded, uh, but he could have he could have tried to drive inside. Maybe he kicks out to somebody's open, or maybe he tries to force a shot in a crowded lane. But instead, he recognized how the defense was switching, uh, where Gobert was on the floor, and pulled it all the way back out behind the arc let everybody reset and then just took Gobert off the dribble. He recognized the mismatch that he had with that switch. He knew Gobert couldn't stay with him off the dribble, took him off the dribble, got to the bucket uh, for an easy score. And it's those kind of little plays that I think define SGA's game. It's making the right play at the right moment. And it, it allows him to get to the rim with such ease, not necessarily because he's an athletic freak that's just exploding across the floor, but because he's seeing what the defense is giving him and he's reacting to it. I I just thought that was a a really nice kind of microcosm of his game tonight. SGA ended with 26 points, two boards, one assist, 10 of 23 from the floor, three of seven from three. Really my only concern with him is that he finished with 26 points, but he had 25 points through three quarters. Uh, That's something that he's got to figure out. Uh, that's something that Billy's got to figure out a little bit. Uh, but I think, you know, his performance tonight, there's not much that you can be critical of. I think it was a, a pretty astounding performance, uh, definitely encouraging and positive as we think about SGA as potentially the future of this franchise, uh, or at least one of the key pieces. I think that that's exactly what you want to see. And while we're at it, you know, you better get uh, ready to rep the future of the franchise we've got two sga shirt designs that are out now Uh, go check them out they are available for sale one of them is uh, done in the the statement jersey style Uh, and then the other is sga okc like it like the old run dmc shirts Uh, look them up on designtree.com dsgntree.com uh, find the Blue Wire Pods section and you'll find the SGATs there. Both of them available for sale now. Uh, if you want to get ready for the future, there's no better way than that. So I mentioned SGA had 25 of his 26 points through three quarters. Uh, a part of that has to do with Schroeder. Um, Schroeder closed the game and it was an interesting choice. Not because it's not something we haven't seen before. I think we saw Billy do that quite a bit last season. Um, although I'd argue the effective effectiveness of it, uh, not my favorite decision. But especially tonight, uh, Schroeder was not having a good game when Billy made the decision to close with him. I think a lot of times we saw it last year, it was because Dennis was playing well and he decided to ride him to the end of the game. That wasn't the case tonight. Specifically, Ferg and Adams, and Schroeder together. Um, What a contrast to maybe the trio of SGA, CP3, and Gallo. So while those three all had historic debuts, Ferg, Adams, and Schroeder combined, 83 minutes, 8 points, 7 assists, uh, decent on the rebounding front, but mostly because of Steven Adams. But 83 minutes and 8 points for those three guys is just not enough. Um, I thought Adams really got kind of worked by Rudy Gobert. I don't know if it's a mental thing at this point. Like if, if the matchup has just kind of gotten in his head 
I don't know. I'm not trying to make snap judgments because it was just one game. It's quite possible that Adams is just getting used to playing uh, the NBA season again, and that's totally acceptable for game one. Regardless, uh, he was pretty awful tonight. I think he was outplayed at times by Mike Muscala, which is not something I expected to stay tonight, but I think it's true. Um, Terrence Ferguson did not look great. I'm not surprised based off what we saw out of him in the preseason. I think I hoped he might be able to, to turn it on. I think it'll take a little more time. Um, definitely not, like I mentioned, trying not to overreact to one game, uh, but throughout the preseason and then what we saw tonight, not a really encouraging showing from Ferguson. And then Schroeder as well. Uh, he was not great on the offensive end and pretty bad to terrible on the defensive end. And that makes it tough. Um, that makes it tough to justify being out there, especially when you're going to have the second highest minutes on the team with 31, uh, second only to SGA. I think that that's where I scratch my head a little bit of, you know, it wasn't like he was performing well. Why are his minutes so high? I think I would have liked to see a different choice uh, tonight. I think I would have liked to see Hamadou Diallo. Diallo had a really nice game, maybe one of his most complete games that he's had in a Thunder uniform, and I thought he was playing really well. Uh, 23 minutes tonight, Hami finished with 12 points, 5 of 8 from the floor, 3 rebounds, uh, not like mind-blowing stats by any means, but he had some really nice plays. He had some some mistakes, which I think is to be expected. He's still young. He's still getting used to it, but for a game where I feel like he got some more minutes than maybe he typically got last season, which I think is going to be the case for most of this season. I thought he performed well. He definitely provided some some serious spark at times. We know his athleticism and, and the energy that he can bring is off the charts, and I thought he did a good job of that. I think if he can continue to develop, it's going to be harder and harder to not uh, play him down the stretch. Speaking of not playing, though, uh, the three DMPs tonight – yeah, Justin Patton, Abdul Nader, and Deontay Burton. Uh, Patton, not surprising. Burton, not really surprising, but maybe a little. But I think the one that surprised me was Abdul Nader. Um, I thought for sure Nader was going to get a good chunk of minutes. For whatever reason, it seemed like Billy has always given him more minutes than I might. Um, but I'm not an NBA head coach, so do with that what you will. Uh, but he always seems to find his way to the floor, and I was fully expecting a heavy dose of Abdul Nader tonight, and it didn't happen. One game, like I've said over and over tonight, I don't know if that's indicative of what Abdul Nader's spot in the rotation is. I think it's very possible that, you know, Nader, Burton, Diallo, those guys are kind of, you know, pick one on any given night, and, and they'll get minutes, and the rest might get mop-up duty, but that's kind of it. I think that could be the case, and maybe tonight was just Hami's night. We'll know more going forward, but regardless, um, I think I thought it was an interesting uh, rotation choice for Billy tonight to not play Abdullah no, at all. Other than that, you know, not a ton to take away from it. It's one game. I think my biggest takeaway is encouragement. It's, you know, we didn't know what to expect from the Thunder. Uh, we didn't know what team was going to show up. We didn't know what they'd look like. The first quarter, it was very easy to to think that uh, the rebuild was going to be painful, and I'm sure there's still plenty of painful moments ahead. But the fact of the matter is we've talked about 
how competitive is this team going to be? How long are they going to be able to stay competitive? Uh, that's been the theme of what we've talked about this offseason. And tonight, I think they showed that they will be able to be competitive. Um, they will be able to be in games. They're probably going to steal some games that they shouldn't win at some point. Uh, and that's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of fun moments this season as, as we follow this team together. And for all of it, uh, be sure that you subscribe to us here at The Uncontested. If you're new, if you're a new listener, uh, we do a, a big group pod. Uh, usually four or five of us get together. That'll release every Monday where we'll discuss broader themes, uh, the Thunder in general, and the NBA at large. And then after every game, we'll have a shorter po- post-game podcast just like this one where we'll kind of break down the, the nitty-gritty details, get into the stats a little bit, talk about what went right, what went wrong from each game. Uh, but you get that all right here. So make sure you subscribe uh, while you're doing that. If you like what you've heard, uh, or even if you don't and you just want to be nice, uh, hit the five-star button. Leave us a review if you feel so compelled. But doing that uh, ensures that we get more listeners, and that helps us do more cool stuff in the future. Next up for OKC, they've got the Wizards in Oklahoma City on Friday night for the home opener at the Chesapeake Energy Arena. And uh, hopefully you guys are not reselling your tickets like the... uh, (laughs) apparently happening and sending out guilt trip emails hopefully you'll be there in person to experience the new the, the dawn of the new era of thunder basketball but if not we will be back again with a post-game podcast for you following that game uh, until then uh, thanks for listening this is justin follow me on twitter at okc tracker follow us on twitter at the underscore uncontested check us out on instagram and facebook as well and until next time uh, you stay classy and thunder up. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.